1: Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, Mr Tim Farrell, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, ICSA, on the new Acre Scheme, being hailed as the latest rep-type scheme to enhance the environment, wildlife and biodiversity. But not, Tim Farrell warns, handy money. Costs must be factored in. Friday, 22nd of July, Farm Walk on Carberry Milk Quality and Sustainability Award winners, shortened Farm. In Clonacilty, Mr Mark Tracy, Chagas B&T Dairy Advisor, Clonacilty Agricultural College, reports. But first, Mr Michael Collins, PRO for Skull Agricultural Show, 2022 and also Independent TD for the area. Welcome, Michael, to the programme. Confirmation, your show is going ahead on tomorrow Sunday, 24th of July from 12 noon.
0: Absolutely, John. It's Skull Agricultural Show. It's uh, taking place on Sunday, this Sunday, coming to 24th of July from 12 o'clock until 5. And we're delighted to be back uh, again after uh, a break that was unforced by by the COVID. But thankfully, um, people are all geared up for what is going to be a, uh, an enjoyable uh, family show from start to finish um, on, on, on Sunday next. John, we have uh, quite a lot of events organised. We obviously have the, as as always, in fairness, and also makes show famous, the Horsing events, the working hunter section, there's a horse section, there's a pony section going to be, taking place. We also have um, a sheep uh, shearing demonstration taking place on Sunday. The tug of war uh, is, is, is going to be taking place at the show field as well. There's going to be a dog show. Um, I suppose what makes Skull Show maybe different to most other shows and makes it more interesting is the country market uh, who uh, are coming to the show field on the day which have a display of some fantastic uh, local foods and Irish foods. Um, and foods maybe from all over the world that will be on display in the in, in, the, in the show field as well. Uh, also, there'll be small things for kids like pillow fighting, and there's going to be vintage cars and tractors with a fire brigade. Uh, also, displaying their 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 their, their exceptional talents. Uh, we also have the best the best dressed lady in jint, boy and girl for we we'll say country living of the day. Uh, I might have said that we also yet yeah, we have a show We also. And um, we'll have a, a shuttle bus from the Skulltown Park across from the hotel. Uh, I think it'll be running from about 11 o'clock in the morning until about maybe four or five o'clock in the evening. Uh, and we're also organising a television for all those uh, football enthusiasts who want to see uh, carry win or carry lose, whichever, whichever love they have in their mind, we will have that available in the clubhouse as well, so that people will have, you know, um, have uh, something for everyone, basically, something for everyone for the day, John. And, uh, our intention is, is, is to make sure that it's kind of a family orientated show. Uh, and I know that Siobhan, our secretary, and Billy, Billy Wolf are. Chairperson and Bernie O'Regan and Jimmy O'Donovan and Michael O'Maney and John Walsh, they've been working very, very hard. We've been all putting our shoulders to the wheel over the last number, um, I, I suppose, months to put this show together, and we're hoping that people will come to Skull on what looks like it's going to be a nice, pleasant day and fully enjoy themselves uh, on this great occasion.
1: And that's on tomorrow, Sunday, and indeed there must be a great feeling because a lot of people wondered with the show's no matter how long they've been established, you know, you have uh, voluntary workers, you have the scarcity in recent times of uh, workers in general, right across all types of industries. But the idea that you could have those people you just mentioned to have your uh, committee and voluntary workers and people willing to put their shoulder to the wheel to make sure that Skull continues on. How long has Skull? Agriculture show been going.
0: Looking at some of the pictures uh, that we were looking at the other night in, in, in one of our meetings, it was the scout Show had been going on in the you know the 80s and and, and very strong show it was at the time. There was a, a break in for maybe about seven or eight years, and we kind of got chub together and we felt it was something that the, the community you know could rise to the occasion and could uh, you know have an event of its type. And we 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 re-ran the show going back about maybe 10 years ago and it's running very successfully since um, because I think we focus very much on anything for everybody you know so it's not just the, you know the man that that loves the horses or the person loves the sheep but it's also there for young children as events for young kids and you know, the country market is an attraction in itself because that's hugely successful here on scholarly Sunday morning, but they move, in fairness, some up to the field to, to add to the whole occasion. And I know there's other events like art sections and baking sections and photography sections, handwriting sections. There's going to be a Lego section this year, a poetry section, a needlework, uh, flowers, vegetable section and baking section. So, like, it just doesn't at that there's a whole pile to, to, for people to, you know, I suppose, it's the right word to wander around the field and enjoy themselves. In a kind of a in a happy kind of community and family way, and and we're glad, and it's not easy, John. I, I, I admit, I've been to a lot of shows in the last uh, couple of months, and you know, met a lot of committees who found it hard to get get up and running, get get people in, you know, energised, and you know, people have maybe moved on their age. Two years old and feel you know they have given it all, and they didn't feel like maybe doing that. So you just have to try and get new people in, and try and encourage the people that were there, that were well experienced, to get back out and running again. And thankfully, look, we've, we've done the best we can, and 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 we're delighted to be able to put on a, a show uh, Sunday. The twenty-fourth uh, of, of, of July, from from twelve to five, and we would be delighted if everybody uh, would uh, make their way to Skull. Um, and it's well sign posted. And I said, a nice addition is the the, the shuttle bus, uh, so people get a spin around and get to see the town, not having to be worried about where they're going to park the car. Mind you, in saying that, we have loads of parking about the field as well, but the shuttle bus is just an, an added extra.
1: Loyalty to Skull.
0: Yes, absolutely. Billy Wolf is our chairperson and Siobhan uh, Donovan is our secretary and then there's Bernie O'Regan and Jimmy O'Donovan and Michael O'Maney and John Welsh and you know myself and, and uh, we've been working very hard and obviously there'll be loads of extra people, stewards on the day, but they're, they're the core committee that meets on a regular basis maybe twice a week in the last uh, couple of months to make sure that this goes off and goes off safe and goes off uh, full of um, activities something that we can you know, we're always priding our, our family side of the show that it's not just going to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, one section or another. It's going to be for everybody, you know, young and old. And that's something that, you know, and, and obviously, you know, I mentioned before the dog show, it's a huge attraction, huge attraction. John, the, the dog show in every in every um, show at this present time, I see a huge interest in dog shows, and we always have that in Scotland. We're very, um, very appreciative that we have some great sponsors um, and there's so many there. now I'll be mentioning him on Sunday myself. Uh, but they're, they're only for responses, the show doesn't go on. And 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 that's that's the facts. Uh, um, and we're very deeply grateful uh, to, to them. In fairness,
1: when would you expect to open up?
0: I'd say to restarting really at twelve o'clock. My advice to them is to be in the show field if they really want to get it, the the good of the day and uh, from start to finish be there at twelve o'clock because you'll obviously at the latter end of the day things start to wind down a small well, bit. But from twelve. 12 o'clock Sunday morning, the 24th of July. We'd love for people to be with us um, and, and we can offer them something, a memory that they won't forget for many, many, uh, many along the uh, John and that's called the Agricultural Show on this, this Sunday, the 24th of July at 12 to 5.
1: And that's the big day tomorrow, Sunday. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Michael Collins, PRO for Skull Agricultural Show 2022 and also independent local uh, TV put in place by the people there. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Michael Collins, PRO, Skull Agricultural Show. Thanks a million, Michael. Mr Tim Farrell, ICSA, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, National Rural Development Committee Chair, believes the new acres scheme, or the new reps as being called, will not be handy money in any sense of the word. He said that costs must be factored in. Tim Farrell made his comments after a meeting recently with Department of Agriculture officials regarding the new acres scheme.
2: Uh, Yes, John, Uh, we in ICSA, actually we had a meeting with the Department of Agriculture last Thursday and we had some queries in relation to it. There was a meeting that was in Johnstown Castle where this particular scheme is going to be administered from. And um, what we've discovered is like there are different targets in relation to financial aspect of it. You know, they're saying 7,300. If you're in a cooperative area, you know, you can achieve up to 10,000. But from our calculation the vast majority of commercial farmers will do well to hit the 5,000 mark over that. And that's just before costs. And there are going to be costs associated with the scheme because some of the tasks will involve planting or what have you. There's going to be a cost to the farmer. Plus, you also have a cost in relation to your planner. And your planner... We all accept as farmers and a farm organisation in the ICSA that a planner is going to be an essential part of it. But what we have failed for the department to give us facts on is there, as this particular scheme is going to be a results-based scheme. So that means it's going to be monitored in year 2, 3 and 4 up to year 5. So we want to know from the department, or we've asked the department this, is there going to be a charge to the farmer year on year for this? Now, we haven't got clarity on that, and in fact, uh, that we got a very evasive reply to that particular question. So what we'd be saying to farmers, by all means, you know, partake in the scheme, but try and establish on, you know, as you enter the scheme, what? The costs are going to be over the long term, over the, the longevity of the scheme. Not just your plan to enter the scheme, but is there going to be a charge by your planner in your in, in in the year subsequent to year one?
1: And of course, there is the element of inflation. I mean, if the thing drags on for a couple of years, there is also the inflation which uh, inches up your costs.
2: Unfortunately, this is one of the things with with with, with With the whole CAP program, and many farmers will have experienced this over the years, that, you know, we're experiencing cuts in the CAP budget for for different reasons over the years. But one of the biggest ones now is going to be the inflationary one this year, plus the high input costs. And the whole CAP scheme was designed to that the housewives of Europe would have, You know, cheap food, cheaper food. But now we've discovered that the farmers, the input costs are colossal this year in particular. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the payback is not coming directly back to the farmer.
1: And input costs, looking at another source there, agri-source, input costs outstrip commodity prices by 13%, looking at CSO central statistics figures, so... That's something which we're all aware of now with the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine and uh, fertilizer prices. Of course, even before the Russian invasion, we had a situation where the European Union was apparently, you know, trying to stop uh, what they called dumping. But they were allowing a European Union monopoly of a couple of firms to keep the prices very, very high.
2: Yeah, well, it's no strange to to the the Irish farming community we say uh, we we have cartels operating and uh, we've had that for years and it's been a big bone of contention of the farm organisations including ourselves in ICSA
1: every now and then we have uh, some new promise okay we won't be the government uh, won't be appointing a numbsman But there'll be something like, uh, you know, examining the chain between the producer, the raw material producer, the primary producer, the farmer, and uh, the price on the shelf. And uh, I suppose they might call it um, fairness in the supply chain, the agri-supply chain. But again, we just wonder, you know, what's going to happen? Will that really help farmers if prices between the supermarkets are examined? But Again, it's another promise. We're hoping that this uh, fairness in the agricultural supply chain will be something that will mean uh, more money for the farmer. But, but again, people get very cynical of the latest new thing.
2: Yeah, and, and like, you know, some of those promises are gone for, for nine and 20 years at this stage, and we're no further on. You know, we had we had... You can go right back to the beef tribunal in this country, and a lot of people won't remember it, but really and truly, that's the first flagship we had of what was happening in the beef industry. And you're right, there's a big campaign now to set up regulators and set up people to, to look into this and to bridge the gap between the consumer what the consumer pays and what it costs the farmer to produce his produce. And it, it hasn't been successful up to now, and we hope... And we have campaigned for this big time over the years, I and mean, in fact, over the last the last uh, protest to her at the factory gate, that basically brought about uh, a consensus by the minister and, the, and his department that it was necessary to, to appoint a regulator in relation to uh, the incomes of farmers.
1: Coming back now to our main topic, the Acres Scheme, the so-called New Rep Scheme. Coming back to the Acres Scheme, before we even get started, I understand that your organisation, I understand that your organisation, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, they're very frustrated the scheme will not be open to new entrants or younger farmers who did not apply for the BPS Basic Payment Scheme in 2021, unless they are taking over an existing herd number. So... That's another, before we even start, you feel there's an element of unfairness there and you'd like to see the Minister, if the message can get to the Minister, to get rid of that clause and and open it to enthusiastic new entrants, young farmers, who didn't perhaps apply for BPS in 2021.
2: Well, that came as a big surprise on last Thursday with our meeting, you know, our briefing with the department. That, That fact only emerged then. I mean... No, nobody at that meeting had any prior knowledge of this, so this came as a big shock. And we would be calling on the minister to revert this. There's absolutely no reason why a young train farmer entering farming for the first time was unfortunate enough not to have a BPS uh, return in 2021, uh, unless he was taking over the, 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 the herd number, and that's or he or she were taking over the herd number. But that's not always the case. You, you have many, you have many um, aspects of take over farms where it doesn't happen automatically. They're working in tandem with, with, you know, uh, a family member. So we'll be calling the Minister to look at that and address that.
1: The tier one priority situation, you said it would also be in your press release, you also said it'll be challenging for many farmers to even get access to the scheme if they're not tier one natura or commonage land presence of species like geese, swans or breeding waders. Et cetera, uh, registered organic farmers. So, the tier one—you might say a word or two about tier one—that people should check their relationship with tier one and are the in or out of the scheme as a result of being in or out of tier one.
2: Yeah, well tier one are going to be the, they're, they're going to be people that are more or less—you can call it in another way. You can describe it—they're going to have priority. They're going to be some of the people that will be first into the scheme. So it's important. Most farmers will know anyhow if they're in an area you know of natura or commonish lands you know if they have the presence of any of those species geese swans breeding waders or if they're an organic far- if they're in organic farming uh, there's also another aspect to this like in relation there is a payment uh, a, a, a max payment of up to 7300 but you have to have special species of grass on your farm or, or orchids or something like that and what farmers have to keep in mind is they either evolve naturally on your farm. They're not something can be introduced. So if your farm doesn't have those particular species, you're not going to qualify for the, for the higher amount of 7,300. And that is something that will be assessed by your planner at the time of uh, preparing your application.
1: And the planner, you must get a registered planner, professional planner, I understand.
2: Yeah, that's correct. The department have been running courses from the early part of the year for farm advisors and people involved. We have many um, private planners. We also have, we say, the National Agency Chagas, where a number of farmers would use that service. But there will have to be people who are registered or who have completed the course in relation to the administration of the scheme with the department. Uh, the department are also running some courses for, for farmers in relation to the introduction of this scheme. And some of those courses are up and running already through through the likes of Chagas and other farm, in, farm advisory entities. And farmers can register and attend for those courses also. Um, now there's 156 euros for attending the course, but it's also the knowledge you pick up on the day in relation to um, the, run, the, are, the running of the scheme. and I know I actually attended one myself, and one half of the day was in the classroom situation, and the other half was, was on a farm with, with some of the special species that I'm speaking about, which I, I know from attending that they're not on my farm, so I know where I stand in relation to that, John.
1: Some of these uh, birds, particularly birds, of course, they might fly over your land, fly in and settle, and then you might qualify. Would there be enough flexibility there? Can people hope some of these creatures will fly in and settle, and then they'll qualify for the tier one?
2: Uh, I don't think I don't think that would be sufficient, John. From my knowledge and what I've, I think, you know, it would have to be a sort of a sanctuary, if, if you like, you know, have, it wouldn't be something that would just developed now, I mean, we might have a situation where we'd all, you know, like to see that happening, you know, but then you have an area that not a million miles from your south there for West Cork and Kerry, where you have, you know, uh, one of these eight uh, geographical areas, to, you know, where you have the cooperative scheme for the acres, like where most farmers there will have the potential to get 10,000 per animal of the scheme, you know. They really are the winners in, in in the new acres, whereas as I said to you before, the commercial farmer is probably the loser.
1: Of course, I referred to accidental birds settling on your land. We see there in recent weeks has been announced that the European Eurasian cranes now, as opposed to heron, the herons are those uh, crane-like things with the crest on their head. But European cranes. Absent from Ireland as a breeding species for 300 years or so, they have bred successfully, I believe, for a second year, and that was just something where the birds flying over saw the bogland or the rewetted area and they uh, they settled. In actual fact, people are trying to make a living day to day. Referring to your press release of 15th of July, what would the main options be? You know, you were talking there about the majority of farmers not being able to sacrifice 50 acres of land to achieve around €3,000. So if you might just uh, outline just briefly the main options to qualify for the acres scheme.
2: Yeah, well, probably the main option really is would be low-input pasture. Uh, it's a grassland, really. That's uh, It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up.
0: PlushCare.com
1: slash weight loss.
2: You're using very little fertilizer. You might even, you not even have access, you know, with, 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 with a tractor or whatever means you have a spill and fertilizer. So that would be one of the main options. And, like, if you qualify for that, you're looking at a payment of between 250 and 400 euro per hectare, up to a maximum of 10 hectares. The other one probably then would be we say extensively grazed pasture where you'd get 200 per hectare and that'd be up to a maximum of 10 hectares again. Now, the only problem really would a farmer would have to allocate about 50 acres of a farm you know, to draw down to, to, to accommodate two, those two particular options. You know, and that would garner a payment of Somewhere between three and five thousand euros. So they'll be the main, they the main options, and probably the ones that uh, the average farmer could accommodate more readily than are some of the other options.
1: So the date when the department's online portal will open—I think you have that data, Tim. There.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's August of this year. But what we understand from the department is there'll be two tranches. So the people who are not successful first time round, there will be another tranche later on we have that we're thinking that will be early 2023 because the record they will not be able to handle the amount the number of applications having said all what was said about it i mean the main thing is that farmers explore you know explore the options we do agree that definitely there are aspects of this that will favor some some farms if you're in a farm of natura commonage whatever you're close to a lake or a river there's definitely going to be something in the See, most farmers nowadays use a farm advisors to complete their BPS application some people can do it online but most people can apply uh, the other people most of them, so that would be the obvious place to go is your your farm planner they will they will they, most of them have done the courses so they're fully briefed if you're do your returns yourself. You can go on, anybody that has access to AgFood, you'll be able to go in there and you'll get, once the scheme is announced, uh, the department prints the conditions associated with the scheme. So you'll be able to access them yourself through Food or on the department website, Department of Agriculture. So they're, they're the best options, really, you know. Then if you're a member of a farm organisation, ICSA or any of the other farm organisations, they will have officers who will have all that information as well. So that's and we, we circulate information to our members all the time in relation to the different schemes, including this particular one, John.
1: Well, that's fine. Thank you very much indeed for all of your valuable time pointing out their uh, realistic uh, view of the scheme, the Acre Scheme ICSA Rural Development National Chair, Mr. Tim Farrell. Thank you, Tim, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. Mr. Mark Tracy, B and T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory Services, Agricultural College, Clonakilty, County Cork, in the west of the county, looks at some of the important messages which can be taken from the recent large farm walk on the farm of Ronald, Betty, and Brian Shorten. They were the overall. 2021, winners of the Carberry Milk Quality and Sustainability Award. First of all, Mark, welcome to the programme. Now, that great day on 22nd of July, some very important key messages you like to recall. The day itself was a great success, I believe.
3: Yes, certainly. It was great to see so many people out there. Um, it was lovely to be back on farm again. Um, this event has been kind of absent for the last couple of years um for the, the, the pandemic so this is the first one we've we've been able to have recently um so i suppose why the Shortened won it um i think really what stood out on the day was their attention to detail and it didn't really matter what aspect of the farm you were looking at you could see any decision they made had been well thought through and and followed up afterwards um, like it's financially, it's it's a quite strong farm and it has a lovely family model. Brian returned home to work beside his parents back in 2017 when he completed his um, degree in dairy business in UCD and he's very much uh, part of, of the farm now. When you walk around the farm, you'll see the excellent grass and management um very much a focus of, of Brian and Ronalds going forward, um, but also they're very, very focused on environmental sustainability and, and willing to take on some of the, the challenges that are coming down the road towards them. Uh, in, like, in terms of the actual cows, you'll see they were very, very well um, bred and being a split calving herd, they managed them in two very distinct um, compact calving seasons, which was very, very good to see. And then finally, that one of the big reasons they won the award is they've absolutely excellent uh, milk quality. Like in twenty twenty one they delivered five hundred and seventy seven kilos of milk cells per cow with an average fat of four point two nine, average protein three point four seven and a cell count only seventy seven T B C of four. So, you know, really, really top quality milk uh, being delivered from the farm. And and the big thing that they pay huge attention to is hygiene. Um, whether it be the very solid wash routine they have, um, every week the machine is washed the same way. So it doesn't matter who's in the parlour. They know what way the machine should be washed on the specific day. Um, they also use plenty of hot water when they're washing their, their equipment. They actually have two water heaters, one set at 88 degrees for the plant and another one set at 70 degrees for the bulk tank. Um, but outside of the actual um, wash routine for the milking machine, facilities in general are very, very clean. Parlour spotless. The roadways to and from the parlour are clean. And they have plenty of cubicle states for when the cows are being milked off cubicles. There's 151 cubicles there for the 120 cow herd. Um, In terms of when they're actually milking the cows, there's a very, very solid um, hygiene regime while they're milking. They use new gloves for every milking. All cows are dry white. um, And a very good quality teeth dip is used post-milking. And I suppose something that wouldn't be carried out on a lot of farms is the clusters are actually disinfected between um, every cow as well. They also managed to, I suppose, prevent problems from spreading within the herd um, by using milk recording to identify any issues early. Also, the, the CMT uh, test is used early um, and it helps to identify any issues just at the dry off time. And where cows are problematic, there's plenty of replacement heifers in the pipeline. Um, that they they can call on cell count issues. And it was finally, there's a very solid treatment regime on the farm, which I suppose when when issues do occur, um, they kind of knock on their head fairly quickly and prevent them spreading and and becoming a a a subclinical issue on the herd.
1: Now, globally, in terms of animal health and indeed our own human health, the whole issue of AMR, antimicrobial or antibiotic resistance, giving remedies to animals which don't need them, treating all of your cows, when in actual fact only a very, very few problem cows would actually need therapy. Is selective dry cow therapy being used on this farm? Selective dry cow therapy, is that being used on the shortened farm?
3: Uh, yes, certainly, John. Um, like The shortens have been one of I suppose, the, the earlier adopters of the selective dry cow treatment um, that's, that all farms are kind of having to look at now at this stage. Um, they're going to their fifth year of using selective dry cow. And last year, 75% of the herd only received a sealer at dry, dry off. So, like, effectively only a quarter of the cows um, received antibiotics when they were being dried off. Um, that's The shortened criteria of how they picked those cows, the cow had to have a cell count of less than 50,000 for the year. Um, No clinical case of mastitis, and I suppose quite importantly, they're uh, very careful to pick out any cows that might have warts or teeth damage, um, that those ones wouldn't be suitable for the selective dry cow.
1: So the efficient application of selective dry cow therapy that in fact can save farmers a lot of money so selective dry cow therapy you're helping animal health human health don't have pathogens building up resistance to excessive application of all kinds of therapies which would be unnecessary when you examine things carefully so the selective dry cow therapy to hear the shortens were using this years ago that's extremely encouraging
3: it's got uh, implications for, for animal health, for human health, but uh, I suppose what's also very positive is, is it'll help the farmer's pocket, and that's very important as well.
1: Now we turn to sexed semen. We often hear the expression sexed semen. One interesting part of the breeding section of the farm walk on Friday 22nd, I understand, was the shortened use of sexed semen. Could you tell us a bit more about this, Mark?
3: Yeah, so this is something that's probably a little bit more unusual about this farm in that all dairy um, AI straws used on this farm are actually sexed. Uh, so I suppose for going back a, a long number of years, the and Falls was being very conscious of the beef quality of, of their cattle. Um, they have a, a kind of a, a good outlet for their, their calves and they, they want to be able to continue to produce good quality uh, beef cattle as well as, as uh, top quality dairy cows. So they made the decision that they were going to use... Um, all dairy sex straws Um, and then any cow not getting a a dairy sex straw is given um, a conventional um, angus straw uh, which it seems to be working very very well for them. Um, Brian does DIY AI uh, twice a day on the herd uh, and is very very good at it and certainly looking at the conception rates um, it doesn't seem to be causing any issues. I suppose the one thing with shortens is they are very, very careful at chart-listing which cows do receive the sex semen. Um, like I suppose initially in the year they would uh, set up just a general list of what cows are, are suitable to get it. Um, in general, all the heifers will end up on that list, and then any cows that conceive to their first um, service the previous year. Uh, they'll then go through that list and they'll remove any... Um, cows that they might consider poor performers or problem cows maybe they had a few metabolic issues in the past maybe they had a cell count issue lameness those sort of things um, and that, that essentially is their, their final list of what cows they are willing to, to give um, the dairy straw to but then on the actual day of AI Brian will reassess the cow again um, and I suppose his three key criteria when he's assessing the cow is firstly it must be a regular heat it must also be a strong heat and that cow mustn't have had any um, issues pre-breeding. Um, and I suppose the last thing, Brian has, has kind of moved to ai in 18 to 20 hours from the onset of standing heat, um, which he seems to find works best with his cows for getting good conception rates.
1: What makes this farm stand out in particular as a sustainable farm?
3: Like really one of the, the key sustainability um objectives is that it's financially sustainable. Um, if the farm isn't making money, it's not going to last very long. Um, so like this farm, it's a great example of a, um, a family farm in West Cork. Uh, the farm is supporting um, Brian and his parents um, quite, quite comfortably. And that family farm model is very, very important in the whole circular economy within West Cork uh, and shouldn't be underestimated. And, um, the system is set up in such a way that, from a labour point of view, it's very, very manageable. Um, Brian and Ronald feel that the split calving um, helps that, that situation. Uh, it allows them kind of maximize use of their own labour and and their facilities. Um, but then, I suppose what what an awful lot of people think of as being sustainability this, this, these days with the environment, that is also very, very much um, in in the Shorten's mind and. A lot of your listeners at this stage will be very familiar with the the Chagas leaf, the steps to sustainability. Um, And like there's seven different steps on on that leaf or leaflets. And the Shortens are actually implementing every single one of those to some degree on their farm. Like They're improving the EBI of the herd. We know that increasing the EBI of the herd by €10 results in in an approximately 1% reduction in the carbon footprint um, of, of the milk being produced. Um, They also very much uh, try to extend their grazing season and they're trying to incorporate clover into their swords to reduce their their nitrogen usage. Um, They've very much embraced the whole protected urea um, product and an awful lot of the nitrogen spread on this farm now is is in form of protected urea. Um, They've their own low emission story spreader. Um, So that's getting maximum usage out of their own slurry, um, which is, is a very valuable um, asset on the farm, but then some of the things that maybe you mightn't um, mightn't have on every other farm in terms of renewable energy. There's a wind turbine went up on this farm back in 2012, um, so an awful lot of the the electricity needed on this farm is actually um, set up on is actually generated on farm, and they're also looking at other ways of possibly even putting in some solar PV panels um, in the near future. Uh, There's also a large number of new hedgerows being planted. And finally, I suppose they've been very, very open to the idea of engaging with the the asset programme. Something Carberry has been pushing quite strongly along with Chagas um, in the area. And I'd encourage any other farmers in the area that if they haven't done so already to engage with the asset programme, if they get the opportunity.
1: Now, we come to safety. We're speaking during Farm Safety Week Farm safety isn't just for one week of the year, but we are in a very busy time, and I suppose that's why we're concentrating at the moment on farm safety. But have you any general message on safety for our listeners? It might take a couple of minutes to listen to the message, but it could save a very critical injury or loss of air farm or loss of life. So Farm Safety Week, what safety message would you take from that? Uh, in a simple way to let our listeners... Uh, you reinforce their caution.
3: Certainly look, we know the high risk categories are the, the young and the old on farm but in reality every person that steps onto a farm is at risk to some degree so really everyone must take responsibility for their their own uh, safety and, and be conscious of that but within that um, the actual farmers need to also be protecting anyone else who may come onto the farm for, for various reasons and A very, very um, good way of of assessing your farm is updating your risk assessment document. Um, And I'd encourage anyone doing that to maybe bring in someone from outside of the farm for a quick look. It may even be a neighbour because familiarity really makes it harder to see a lot of the problems. We see the same issue day in, day out and we kind of get used to it being there and we don't really see it as being... um, safety issue like an example might be a little trip hazard you know it's there you step over it every day but someone who doesn't know the yard comes in it could become a a bigger problem for them Um, so really I suppose the the two key messages I'd like maybe farmers to embrace is one make sure your risk assessment document is up to date and and try and follow through on on what's inside it but also I'd like every farmer to maybe have a look at their farm and just identify at least one safety issue that's on the farm and try and fix it. Um, and like little steps of that are going to make the, the whole farm safer.
1: We turn now to something closely related, of course, to health and safety. There's an actual course for TAMS applicants, a health and safety course for TAMS applicants. Would you please remind our listeners where this is taking place? I understand it's in the west of the county, of course.
3: Yes, so uh, Chagas are running a health and safety course for TAMS applicants on the 27th of July, um, at 2 p.m. in the Clannacilty Advisory Office. Uh, so any any applicants through the TAM scheme, one of the terms and conditions is they must um, have done a health and safety course. And just maybe to make some of your listeners aware of, there's a, a five-year limit on this. So some of the people who would have done this course for very early TAMS applications Their health and safety course is now coming out of date, and they may need to update it if they further TAM's claims to go in. So anyone interested in in booking into the course, they can contact Eileen in the McCroom office on 026-416-04. So that's 026-416-04. July 27th at 2pm.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Mr Mark Tracy, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory Services, Agricultural College, Clonakilty, in the rest of the county. Thank you, Mark, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Farming and rural organisations have been voicing their deep concern at the reported decision of AIB to close up to 70 branches for economic reasons. AIB say the majority of customers now use online banking services. IFA Farm Business National Chair Ms Rosemary McDonough says the banking sector is again abandoning the farming community and rural Ireland in the wake of AIB's decision to withdraw cash services in 70 branches across the country. Speaking in relation to AIB's decision to make 70 of its 170 branches cashless, including the removal of ATM machines, the president of the ICMSA, Mr Pat McCormack, said there will be huge disappointment in the towns concerned and their associated rural areas, and he contended it would put further pressure on rural towns as they try to adjust to a changing economic environment. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President, West Cork-based Mr Kelleher said AIB are showing complete disrespect for their customers by announcing that cash, ATM and cheque services are to be removed from a further 70 of its branches. Mr Kelleher said bank branches in rural Ireland had become few and far between in recent years causing all sorts of difficulties, but doing away with basic cheque handling, cash and ATM services, in the ones which do remain open, is taking things a step too far. The question now arises, what is a bank for? Part of a statement there from the ICSA President, Mr Dermot The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, look, TD, on 21st of July, advised that notifications for cheques by monitoring under the 2022 Protein Aid Scheme and the straw incorporation measure are now issuing to farmers with further notifications to issue in coming months. Checks by monitoring is an automated and continuous process which uses satellite and other data sources to check the agricultural activity on all land parcels declared by farmers under the Protein Aid Scheme and the straw incorporation measure in 2022. Following a meeting with Minister Martin Hayden, IFA Horse Project Team Chairman, Mr. Richard Kennedy said, we must now see farmers who are actively involved in the breeding and rearing of horses included in farm investment support schemes under the new cap from January 2023 onwards. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Marie Tuig for contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week, in particular to... 96 and 3 FM news reporter, Ms. Mate Tuig, for creating the Farm Talk web podcast. A special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in.
3: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.